You're listening to the Circling Wizardry Podcast, a show about circling for circlers. In each episode, I'll be talking with teachers and practitioners who are bringing circling into the world. If you're not familiar with circling, I encourage you to hit pause and Google what is circling before you continue. I'm your host and founder of the School of Circling Wizardry, Josh Stein. Learn more about me at circlingwizardry.com about. Today I'm speaking with Sarah Ness of Authentic Revolution. Sarah is a facilitator, teacher, consultant, and coach whose sole mission in life is to help you discover all the ways that you are fundamentally not broken. She co-founded both Authentic Houston and the Austin Love Juggernaut, has contributed to the founding of at least 12 other authentic-relating communities, and has trained or consulted over 300 leaders in 15 cities in the art of emergent leadership. She's a certified graduate of both the Integral Center's T3 and Circling Europe's SAS. She's currently in the middle of leading her second independent circling training, the first of which I was fortunate enough to be a part of. Sarah is a dear friend and a trusted ally, and I'm so grateful to have her with me on the show. Today we're talking about her mixed feelings about circling and her strong value and expertise on holding people in their leadership development. I'm actually drawn to start with my my general question and and what I want to ask you first is what what comes up for you when I ask you what is your relationship with circling? Um love hate. Love hate. I I've had absolutely beautiful moments with circling and I love weaving the tools of the practice into my life. Um, and I love the community it creates and the people that are attracted to it and the bias on values that I care about, like ownership of experience and finding what is deeply true for us and staying with that. Um, paying attention to the somatic level of things, um, having like a standard for how we communicate. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I really don't enjoy circling itself. Um, either because it can feel contrived, like let's just sit in this circle and bring our energy really quiet and focus all of our attention on you, you beautiful creature. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I'm in that mode. <laughs> But other times I don't want to slow down that much um, or I want to bring some other energy to circling and I'm exploring how to do that within the constraints uh, of what I think other people want out of the practice because mm. I tend to be pretty high energy. And uh, I also think that there's grown up a lot of partisanship around the practice. Mm that can sometimes make it hard to just really get into the presence of it, which is true of any field. So I think my favorite things about circling are actually like not even the circles specifically, but the community and the communication. I circle in all my relationships, whether or not the people know it. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. And I want to clarify that actually. Um, I don't just mean like, asking deep questions when somebody isn't interested in it. I mean, bringing the quality of presence and awareness and discernment to my own experience. Like if I get triggered being able to pause and like 
hold my experience lightly and hold the other person's experience with humility and dignity. That's what it's given me most. It seems like it's been, a, if nothing else, a really valuable tool for, for you and your relationships. Yeah, massively. There was a question that came for me as you were talking about how you love it and hate it. Mm-hmm. And this is a question that's been with me for a while because I've, I've known some of the struggle for you. What, what has you continue? What has you keep doing it? Mm. Gotten asked that. Um, couple things. One is other people seem to like it a lot and it feels like there's an aliveness to the two people's relationship with it, especially people that are getting into it for the first time. And I really like fostering that. Another is sheer stubbornness. <laughs> like I don't want to drop it before I fully understand it. Mm. Um, what else? There are also times that I really do love and enjoy it. Especially if I'm just doing it with friends. I think part of my relationship with it has to do with how often I circle as a service, Mm. which is pretty pressured, like having to provide an experience for somebody I feel a lot of responsibility for. And I work best within pretty strict constraints. I think that's the other reason I don't like circling is like, it's such an open-ended format. I love games because I can be most creative when I have like a structure that I can adapt and play with and like, okay, how do I use this to, to create our experience as like beautifully and as um, for, like with as much fulfillment as possible. But with circling, it's very free for all and, um, it can be hard for me to find what I really want and how to express that and what the through line is. Yeah. It seems like there's something about, it occurs to me as a paradox or an irony that in the openness, it's um, the word that's coming to me is in some way paralyzing. And you didn't actually say anything like paralyzing, but I'm wondering if that. Yeah. Choice paralysis. whereas in in games you have the structure you have the closed there's a closedness in a way that seems to be freeing to me at least yeah yeah and i think the balance of the two is good like openness and closeness and being able to meter them and alter them and i love circling as part of something else but circling Circling for the sake of circling, um, I'm sometimes for and I'm sometimes not. I also, just a soapbox for a minute, I think there's something about the way that circling is often set up that is actually inaccurate to how it basically is a pretty high privilege on agency. Like, speak up if you have something to say, especially within Circling Europe, but even within if you're a participant in an integral center or Circling Institute circle, mm-hmm. or, you know, the circle like speak up about what's true for you or the circler, like follow the thread of your desire. And that's actually not necessarily an easy thing to do. 
And I don't think it's always an accurate thing to expect everybody to be able to do. Mm. So sometimes I have a hard time with circling because there's this dual expectation that like I will speak if I need to. And this other feeling of like, I don't always feel safe enough to speak. And when I have structure and rules and like, I know the, I know the space that I'm operating in that I can play with and start to push my own edge. But sometimes circling is like, I'm way over an edge that isn't acknowledged. Hmm. As you talk about it, this seems, I get the sense that this is more important to you. Like this particular facet is important to you. And I noticed it's something that I'm also more curious about. Yeah, it's been, it's been up for me recently and I've been having some pretty interesting conversations. I don't want to get gendered about it, but I think it's especially true of women in circles. And I think that circling can be a beautiful training ground for having to practice agency. Mm-hmm. But the the unacknowledged fact that it may be harder for some people to speak up than others um, sometimes has it feel stigmatized to be the person that has a hard time speaking your truth. Yeah. Yeah. What's missing? It seems like like the agency and the word that's coming to me is it's ownership is described in this way mm-hmm. owning your experience um that there's there's really positive qualities to this and and there's this it feels like there's a gap mm-hmm. and i'm wondering like what is does it occur that something is missing and if so what is that I guess I'll give examples for some practices that I could see weaving into circling that I think capture it really well. For instance, the style of a Quaker meeting where you only speak when you're really deeply called to speak. I think often surrendered leadership circles capture some element of that. Mm -hmm. But even in those, there's often an unacknowledged power dynamic that like the leaders are going to be more likely to speak than the participants, Mm -hmm. even if it's supposedly a leaderless space. We, Mm -hmm. We look to leaders naturally. If the void is filled, we don't try to fill it ourselves. So I think like one thing is leaving that space more open for there to be space for the people that process slower to speak and having a mm. real emphasis on speak what feels deeply true. It sounds like part of the part of if this was an issue, I, I want to call it a phenomena. Actually, that seems more true to the nature of circling. <laughs> part of this phenomena I'm getting from what you're saying is that um some people find it easier to speak up. Mm-hmm. And those people will tend to possibly dominate the, the space, so to speak. Not necessarily intentionally, but that because their voices are so loud and they're speaking more often, that those who find it more difficult to speak up um, feel sort of as though they're captive or um there's just less space for them or the circumstances aren't right i'm not sure how to put it does that resonate with you sometimes i think like what's occurring to me now and i'll I'll kind of talk through it is like i really like the frame of authentic relating Mm -hmm. like that is like the umbrella term for all of this that what we're working with is authenticity which is like desire truth me speaking up from the inside of me circling is which which kind of guides the circle like when you have a circle that feels flat 
most of the time it's because there's no clarity on who is bringing desire. Like, is the circle doing it? Is the circler doing it? Are they kind of trying to figure out who's guiding the process? Like, and then sometimes a participant will come in and just be like, I want to know this thing. And the circle just goes because somebody's bringing desire. So you can't circle without that, but you also can't circle without relating, or at least I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, so like relating is, oh, I'm going to actually be curious about and get your world and stay engaged with it. And I'm going to put some element of my own experience on hold. Like some bit of my authenticity is going to have to wait so that I have space to get you. Mm. And the most common way this will be hard to do is if you're triggered, it's really easy to just want to express. But if you just express the other person's world, isn't likely to get gotten. Um, so you could just express until you clear some of the intensity in you and then have then relate, but you have to have a shared agreement about like, you know, what is the other person open to? So there's also an element of like relating enough that you know what the other person's norms are. And I think some people are gone. Yeah. Well, what's coming to me is that, um, there's, there seems like there's these two elements, um, like one is the, I don't know what you would call it. You call it relating and the other one you called authenticity mm-hmm. in different words. Like that they, they kind of, or, or it was desire. It was like desire. And then there was something that was more about relating. And yeah. it's that like they, they seem to pull at each other or, or, um, not counterbalance. Like there's this way in which one comes and the other one sort of is lost. That, that that's a tendency that, ten- that you're speaking to that it seems hard to have both of them at the same time. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about circling as a practice is if done well, it encourages the people that are stronger on relating to have more authenticity and the people that are stronger on like authenticity and desire to have more relating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm in an exploration of like, how can the practice best be done to bring out both of those sides to bring out a more full authenticity especially from the people who have a harder time with it and the more, more full relating, especially from the people that tend to be more expression focused. Do you have a preference between those two poles? I have a preference for behavioral flexibility. So I have a preference for knowing what to use and when based on my own needs and the needs of the situation. So like, if I'm in a super agency focused circling, my preference is going to be on relating because it feels like it's what's getting missed. But if I'm in a really like curious and caring and attentive circle where it feels like there's stuff going on under the surface that's not spoken, I'm going to be the shit stirrer. Yeah, what I'm hearing is is that there's like rather than just sort of subscribing to one or over the other or valuing one more than the other there's something about you say behavioral flexibility and what i hear is attunement what i hear yeah. is actually being aware of like moment by moment aware of what i'm called to bring and and to use that to use that as a gauge for um how penetrating or how um, expansive you you bring yourself right and i think the the question for me with circling is becoming what what context do i give that best brings out the possibility of both of those and what um 
what context do I give? How do I show up? And, um, how do I encourage other people to be in a circle? Like an example of this is like, if you, so beginning circlers, one of the hardest things that they have to do is try to get the group engaged in the practice. And often I think for beginning circlers, the group feels more like a detriment than an asset. It's like, God, we have to keep these fucking people engaged. And all I want to do is like laser in. Um, it takes a while to understand how to actually use a group valuably in a circle. But I find there's things like if you do a check-in at the very beginning and have each person speak once or have the first thing in the circle be like, Hey, I want just us all to say one thing we're noticing about Josh, even getting people's voices in the space earlier will have an emphasis on agency. Like people will speak up more, but there's those subtle things. Like we don't, we don't naturally always feel the permission to do that. Like there's a reason that people in a circle that aren't invited to speak for two minutes at the beginning total will speak less throughout the circle. Hmm. You need to feel a certain quality of invitation and psychological safety. And I think circling done well sets that up. Um, And I just have a curiosity of how it can be created even more. Yeah. It seems there's something in here about um, setting, setting a precedent Mm-hmm. Set almost like permissioning, giving people permission to to show up as themselves or to show up in a certain way that maybe they didn't feel they were allowed to. Mm-hmm. Does that speak to what you're saying? Yeah, giving per- people yeah permission to show up, permission to yeah. speak, just like a space where they know it's allowed. So here's the thing that I'm most curious about as, you know, it's the, the thread that seems to go through this conversation with you. It, it has to do with um, ownership or self-responsibility, um, power dynamics, and th- this, um, this tension that you spoke to earlier of, you know, asking people to take agency, to take responsibility for their experience, to you know, recognize their choicefulness. And this thing that happens where for a lot of people, that's actually a struggle for them and they will perhaps naturally, without even knowing, follow follow another person's lead or follow the, um, the unspoken rules, the unspoken norms in a group, that there's, that there's a lot happening that's not being spoken to that we have an, an expectation on people. I'm going to generalize. It seems like we yes. have an expectation on people to be able to own their experience, to be able to, and part of that is to be able to access their self-responsibility when that might actually be over their heads for some people right. and not for other people. So there's a bit of that. Well, if you have a mix, for me, a question, like if you have a mixed group of people and some of them are it's not over their heads and they can really take that self-responsibility and other people's way over their heads. And they just, they don't even know that they're following the lead of, of another, or they don't even like, you can tell them they have choice and they still don't really understand that they can access that choice. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm naming all these different um, elements of this puzzle or this web it's more like a web to me because it feels tense and it's why circling drives me a little crazy because like Mm. there are so many like subtle dynamics at play 
as soon as you step into a group of people and say, okay, space is open for us to speak. And actually some of my favorite circles are the ones that get thematic where we're circling around a common topic and exploring how each of us relate to it. Um, but circling, circling with power dynamics in the room and a bunch of new people, some of whom know the rules and some of whom don't, some of whom feel included and some of whom feel excluded and like, you know, different, uh, genders, age levels, like <laughs> degree of agency, personal history. Like it's a lot. It's a lot to be with. Yeah. Which doesn't make it bad. It just makes it a very um, rich and intense practice. And I'm still curious about the way to do it um, most in service of people's growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the thing, the, my curiosity is, it's what, you know, the thing that Sarah Ness would have a certain expertise or, or domain over around all this is like championing, having some sense for the value of leading people in a certain way that is um, holding and how that is um, maybe a counterpoint to uh, encouraging agency. And I think, like, I don't know exactly what my question is, but it has something to do with, like, how do you, how do you balance that or how do you hold people in a way that's not um the the shorthand term is caretaking but that doesn't really speak to exactly what what it is but how do you how do you hold people um without taking away their ability to make choices for themselves perhaps it's the the clumsy concise way that i think i can express my question yeah that's a great question you know it's funny so I was leading a facilitator training this last weekend and um, those are kind of like a, a giant meta circle the whole time. If you pay attention to the whole group and all the participants get circled as part of it. So it's an authentic relating training, but involves a lot of this practice. And um, I realized that I almost have a blind spot around care and holding. I don't teach it because I assume it's implicit. Mm but I'm realizing it's not always. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to actually teach more of the way that I do it. I think that caretaking is when you kind of take over someone else's experience for them rather than offering them choice over it. Mm -hmm. But caring and holding space is when you, for instance, like just bring attention to somebody and hold it there. Like that is caring. And another form of caring is like what Decker calls passing the ball. It's like, I could lead this thing, but I'm going to give the responsibility to you to shine. Or rather than giving you a piece of advice, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to use the Socratic method. I'm basically going to just like open this space for you to feel comfortable to step into. And when I talk about agency, it's the same thing I'm talking about is like 
rather than expecting you to get past all your psychological barriers to speak up and then find the thing to say and then do it and then calibrate and like deal with your own shame and fear and anxiety and all of that. I'm just going to like pave a path that you can, that you can choose to walk or not. And I'm going to offer the challenge that you have to do it yourself, but the path is there. And that's the way I most like to, to hold space. And the example of that is like, you know, in weekends that I, that I do, um, a lot of roles are played by staff, like the staff lead the meetings, the staff lead all of the intervening games, the staff lead many of the major teaching pieces, they do a lot of the one on one stuff, they lead the circles, they, you know, they're, they're thrown into a lot of leadership that they may or may not even be ready for. But the fact of being offered it has them step up more. And then my job is to kind of like energetically just like open myself and be there with them for whatever they need without providing the answers, but just letting them know like there is somebody who who's here with you. And even saying, you know, if you get stuck, like I'm here, but that's happened, you know, like maybe five times. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rare. I, I really, I really love that. I, I get the sense of you being a companion. Mm-hmm. You being there available with people and in support and they know that you're there with them. That togetherness that I think is really, for me, is really core in, in rich circling. Mm-hmm. And can I say something yes. a little more on this? I realized there's a, <laughs> I'm getting like energized and inspired. I love the question about holding mm. space. So it brings up a lot. Um, I'll say that like one of the quotes that most inspires me is from the Tao Te Ching. And it's the last line of one of the stanzas. It says, when the master leaves, the people say, look, we did it all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the ideal both in community and in circles is to start out by holding a strong container. But the container is one of invitation. To start Mm -hmm. out by stepping in enough that people really know like, what the form is that they're being asked and like no opportunity is missed to, to like redirect, to like gently correct. And, and most of all, to just invite people to speak. So you're giving them the permission. And like, as the leader, I'm taking the edgy step of assuming they might do it wrong, Mm -hmm. but I have to trust myself enough to know I will step in. Like if they don't own their experience that I will be like, Hey, like, so what, what is actually happening? Like in your body? Like if I ask you on a somatic level, And also understanding that people don't always know. Like if you say, what are you feeling? Some people don't know that you're asking about physical sensations or emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of under like assumption that needs to be bridged. And then as people get it, the role of the leader, I think is just to step back more and more to leave the space open so that people can begin to create on their own. And if you do that over a period of hours, over a period of months, over a period of years, people start just like taking on the agency, if you encourage them in that way, like people ask why the Austin community is able to run itself. And it's because of that, like being there strongly at first and then stepping away more and more, more space, more space until, yeah. Until you are the air people breathe and then you can let them breathe it themselves. I really love asking you about this and, I'm getting a sense that there's so much more to this one topic 
that I imagine that you are probably the most expert in when it comes to the the circling the greater circling community that I wish we had more time that I could ask you more about it mm-hmm. and I'm gonna bite my tongue and instead what as we close um I have two questions and first is could you tell us about what what you have brewing right now that's most exciting to you mm-hmm. what I have brewing right now uh, I'm loving the authentic leadership trainings that I do. Those happen about every three months in Austin, every two to three months in other cities, usually Boulder, San Francisco, Boston, Seattle, and also wherever we get asked to go in there's community. And those are just like the ultimate expression that I get to do of, hey, you want to use this work in service of the world, or you want to learn how to facilitate from a place of authenticity and empathy, this is like an experiential deep dive that is a mix between a circling immersion and a leadership training and like a retreat. And it's just totally fucking mind blowing seeing how people come out of those weekends and the leadership that they express like shy people showing up in front of a room and leading 30 people in an exercise that has everybody glowing. And that person is like, what did I just do? So that is one of the things. And then I'm planning a a version of that in the fall that I think I'm calling the emergent leadership training, which is going to be a mix between kind of like circling authentic leadership training and project incubation. Hmm. So I really want, this sort of work that we do to be focused towards us serving the world and not just our immediate communities, but, and not just like coaching practices, like that can be some of it. But when we want to take this work out into bigger areas and also when we want to do work that is not even related to AR circling, but we want to feel whole in ourselves while doing it, we want to be expressing, we want to be honest. How do we use these tools in service of that? So that program is going to be six months, four weekends over the course of it. And it's going to be shadow work. It's going to be accountability. It's going to be business mastermind, money coaching, circling, like a lot of different stuff all brought together to help people actually create what they want in the world from a place of wholeness. Wow. So I'm super excited about wow. that. Wow. I, I feel excited just hearing you talk about that. Yeah. It's like mm. me bringing together all my tools of the last few years, not just circling, but a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, So wow. that's, that's on the radar. Awesome. If someone listening to this wanted to, was interested in, in either of these things or wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about what you offer or what you do, mm-hmm. where, what would you tell them to do? They could go to my website, which is www.authrev, A-U-T-H-R-E-V.com, Authentic Revolution, um, or email me, just love at authrev.com. So those are the best ways to keep in touch. The programs won't all be up there yet, but if you email me, I can tell you about them. Wonderful. Love at authrev.com. That's the bunny. Mm. I'm really appreciating, even though we only had half an hour, getting to, to dive in with you on this. And I'm really thankful, really grateful. And I hope we get another opportunity to continue the conversation. Me too. This was fun. I, I think uh, as a last thing, I do so much 
teaching by the Socratic method and by giving space, because I think it's more valuable than me speaking that like getting interviewed, I'm like, cool. I get to talk about (laughs) theory. (laughs) So I feel delighted at that. Mm. I'm so glad you enjoyed it too. I, um, I think people are going to really love listening to this one. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Circling Wizardry podcast. Learn more about Sarah at authrev.com. That's A-U-T-H-R-E-V dot com. And check me out at circlingwizardry.com. And join the Circling Wizardry Facebook group to take part in one of my upcoming free trainings.